Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today's guest is the first-year head coach of one of the favorites heading into the Massachusetts D1 State Tournament, Boston College High Steve Healy. The Eagles finished 15-5 and and outscored opponents this season, 131-62. to BC High will likely be a 4 or 5 seed when the MIA releases its tournament pairings. Steve, thanks so much for joining us in studio. Dan, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, the MIA tournament uh, will start for you guys either Sunday or Monday this weekend. Um, as you look at, at the D1 picture right now, what, what will you be looking for when you look at how your team's seated and uh, how you match up with your opponents? Well, we know we're getting a home game, so that part of the equation's good. Um, I, I think what we want to look at is potentially, you know, does someone have an ace that they hold out in that preliminary round game, and then all of a sudden we've got a dogfight on our hands because they held out a, a really strong pitcher. Um, we did that last year. We were in the preliminary rounds, and we we took a gamble. We, we sat out Chase Sprague. Uh, we got through that preliminary round, and then we had him for the first round, and, and we, we upset a very good Plymouth North team that we wouldn't have done if we didn't have Shea on the mound. So I'm looking to see if someone's going to turn the tables and do something like that on us this year. And what will your strategy be? Will you put your best guy out there, your best starter for uh, your opening round game? It depends on who we draw. Mm-hmm. Um, if if we get a uh, a team that's has an ace and they used him on Friday and they have uh, uh, you know they drop off, we may hold our ace off and and trying. We have we're pretty deep mm-hmm. on the mound. I, I don't think we have uh, a true ace, but I don't think we have a number three or four. I think we have a four or five guys that are all like pretty clustered together. If you look at the innings they threw this year, you can't say, well, this guy's the ace because he threw 70 innings. You know, we, we have a bunch of guys clustered around 25 innings. So any one of those or any combination of those guys could go. Yeah. Right. And do you have them? I, w- I noticed a lot, you know, just kind of looking at your scores and box scores and things like that. It seemed like you'd have guys combine on, um, you know, maybe four for one guy, five for another guy. Is that your philosophy, not to have guys stretch them out and go seven innings? It all depends on what we have. I Last year we had a, a true horse with Sprague, and, you know, it was hand him the ball and get out of the way and let him throw his 115 pitches and get you the seven innings. This year I think we're stronger, like, two through seven in our rotation. I, I think we're much, much stronger. Um, and a lot of these guys are two-way players. So I'm trying to preserve their arms so when they're playing the field. Um, so I'm, I'm – they're all comfortable, each one of these guys, at about 75 pitches. They've done it multiple times, but I haven't had anyone go over 90. So you accepted the, co- the head coaching position in September, uh, and you had spent 13 years as a JV coach and one as a varsity assistant. How was that transition, and was there anything that surprised you uh, when you kind of made that jump to the, to the head coaching role? The transition was seamless because I've been there. Right. I've, I've been at the school for, as a teacher for 15 years. I'm a graduate of the school. I, I, I know the culture of the program and of the school. So the, it wasn't like I was a new guy coming in from out of state or from a different school. Um, so the BC High component of it was fine. Uh, just a lot more things to worry about, just from ordering baseballs and hats and jerseys and 
trying to, you know, the athletic director, John Bartlett's great about the schedule. He, he gets us the toughest teams possible, but just trying to coordinate with John on some of the lower level programs to make sure that they had a full slate of games that, that wasn't usually in my things to do list in the past. And they were on the list this year. So there was, there was more comprehensive things to follow through on. Yeah. And you took, uh, uh, over for a legendary coach in Massachusetts and Norm Walsh, who you actually played for for four years. How, what feelings did you have about uh, taking on that role? You know, big shoes to fill, obviously. Yeah, huge shoes. I mean, he's taught me pretty much everything I know about the game of baseball. Um, we still talk. We still compare notes. We still strategize and go over situations. Um, he's been a you know mentor and a friend and. Someone that I can always count on to go to if if I have a question when it comes to baseball or life. He's, he's just been a really good friend and mentor since I was a fourteen year old kid, mm-hmm. uh, and I was really lucky to be on his staff. I I, I played on his first teams. I you know we, my, our team was his first league championship team my senior year. So Coach Welsh and I have had a a very long um, relationship that you know just I can't thank him enough. For what he's done for me over the years so it, it was humbling to try and walk in his shoes this year yeah and whenever um you know you take over for such a, a legend like him you know there's plenty you want to impart from his program but you also do want to put your own stamp on it what were some things that you uh wanted to kind of put your own stamp on this year well coach walsh was very he was very careful about using his pitchers as position guys mm-hmm. and I feel that the best players can also hit so we have more two-way guys or combo guys than in the past um, and I'm going to promote that at each level I don't want to take the bat out of the kids hands in ninth grade just because they have a really good arm like they, they have a good bat too let's develop that and and have more assets um, you know as these kids get older so that's Probably one thing that I've done differently is, you know, our batting practices are a lot longer <laughs> because we have more guys in the, the groups because I want them swinging and I want them developing. Some of them, they're sophomore pitchers, but they swing it pretty good. And it's nice to know you might have a lefty bat coming off the bat with some, coming off the bench with some juice in a couple of years. We'd never have that if we take the bat out of his hand now and just dub him or label him a pitcher only. So that's probably the one thing that I've done differently from coach that's I think that's a huge advantage to have because you're right you know a lot of the best pitchers are your best two-way players you know and it's uh you see it everywhere like Catholic Memorial when uh their ace isn't on the mound you see him three for four with a home run and he's a beast yeah Yeah. you don't want to take those guys out of the lineup um so you took over a team that went 11 and 8 last year and made a run to the D1 North semifinals um how did this season play out for you I know I said you finished 15 and 5 it seemed like you got better as you went. How, how do you, as you look back on the season, were there moments that you said, all right, now we kind of turned a corner. Or, hey, this is a building block for us. The signature moment was us. It was after the fifth game. We were three and two and we had got mercy ruled by CM 10 to nothing. And I was scratching my head saying, I'm not going to last on this job very long if I keep, keep having performances like this. But we, we kind of righted the ship after that game and got incrementally better. And I think we played our most complete week of baseball the last three games. Um, you know, we had 21 innings and we allowed one run. 
we had a kid picked off third. Probably never should have happened. We 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 botched the play at the plate. Um, so we were we were throwing the ball, fielding the ball, hitting and running really well. The last week of the season, and I think it built after that CM game. I think we all sat down and said, "We got to get better. We got to keep our heads up. We got to keep working hard, and just every day look to get better as a team." And th- you know, to the kids' credit, they've been awesome. And it just you know the confidence level started to build as we, we clipped up some wins. And then I think that the other turning point is when we went over to CM and we beat them in extra innings. We were the only one in the league that beat them. And it was a, it was a tremendous game. Um, but I think that's when the kids really started to believe that the team could be something special. Yeah, that's interesting to hear you say, uh, you know, you had you were struggling with your confidence after three and two. You know, you don't often hear coaches say that. But it was... You know, it, it doesn't sound like you panicked. You sat the guys down and said, we're kind of going to stick to the process. Was there anything that you'd changed in terms of, like, rotation, lineup, anything like that at the 3-2 and two mark? No. Yeah. No, I, I think if we did make the changes, it would have signaled panic. And and we didn't change, you know, practice format. We didn't, pra- we didn't practice any differently. We just – we believe in what we're doing, and we just kind of emphasized it with the kids. Like, we believe in you. We're going to get better. We're going to keep focused. And us as a group, coaches, players, staff included, we're all going to be in this together to get better. And, and we saw the results. And I think those, those types of losses happen in the Catholic Conference because it's so competitive. You know, if you're not sharp one day and the other team is, you know, it can, it can turn into a mercy rule. Um, it happened fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the schedule can be relentless. What was that like playing a Catholic conference schedule, you know, at, for the first time as a head coach? Yeah, I got a good good baptism with it last year. Um, we were wood bats last year. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot of one-to-nothing games. You know, I, I think both our games against CM were one-to-nothing. We played Zaverian three times. It was one-to-nothing, two-to-one, and three-to-two. Uh, the prep game was... One of the games was two to one in nine innings. They just all are just these steel cage matches. Um, they're they're just grueling bloodbaths. Yeah. Um, so I, this year we switched to metal, which I think opened up the league a little more offensively. Um, we, we, you know, you're not seeing twelve to ten games, but you are seeing more five two four two type games. So there, there's a little more offense in them with the metal bats. Yeah. Uh, now, the Catholic Conference, you know, I always, this time of year, I kind of give them a little more, um, I'm a little more optimistic about their chances, I would say, going in D D1 tournament, because they played such a difficult schedule throughout the year. They're battle-tested. Uh, but some other teams right now are at the top. Uh, Franklin is the one seed, and they have a little bit of a similar story. I think they started 3-3, three and three, and then they finished 17-3. and three. What do you know about them, uh, who they, they could potentially be the top seed in D1? Yeah. They're really good. Yeah. They're well coached. Zach's terrific. The, the the players. We played him in the semifinals last year, and he started five freshmen, five sophomores, and a freshman in that game. They were really young, and it was a two one game. They walked off. It was an, an electric environment down in Franklin. So those kids are all back for him. And then he filled in. We we scrimmaged them uh, the first week of the year. We went fourteen innings. Uh, at the end of the after our tryouts and the team was picked, we got on a bus and we went down there, and that was something I wanted to do. I wanted to get back on that field, the the scene of the crime, if you will. Um, and they're really good. Uh, they handled us very. 
they were good that day. Yeah. They were way ahead of us at the end of the first week. And, and, and we, we talked, and I said, you guys going to have a heck of a year, get a heck of a team. Yeah. Um, so there's no mystery about Franklin. Everybody knows they're really, really good. Right. Yeah. Maybe a little more mysterious is kind of the, the Taunton Shrewsbury's of the world, you know, who are going to get top, you know, high seeds. And who knows, maybe they could make a run. Have you been able to see much of them? I haven't. I've been following them. Yeah. You know, the scores, uh, you know, I, I know they, St. John Shrewsbury's in our league and they're, they're very good. And Shrewsbury handled them. I think it was like seven to two or seven to one. And Taunton beat Franklin. So case closed there. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you how good they are. Um, so two really good teams from what I can gather, from what I've been told, they're really well coached. They have great players. And, you know, any, anyone that finishes 18 and two, that type of record, they're good. Yeah. They're really good. And like you said, so you, you've you seen some of the teams that are also uh, St. John, John Shrewsbury, obviously, you yeah. said very good. Uh, CM, you know, who yeah. you split with them, and uh, they have they, they have a kind of a one-two pitching combination that could really be tough in the postseason. And then St. John's Prep got hot at the end of the year. What so, about these uh, Catholic Conference teams going into the tournament? I don't want to face them. <laughs> I saw enough of them during the year. Um, you know, let someone else have them. Yeah. I, I, you know, we beat up on each other enough during the year. Um, they're they're going to be a handful. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, it's a very good league with very good players. And the longer I can avoid seeing any one of my Catholic Conference brethren in the tournament, the better and happier I'm going to be. It's funny you hear coaches say that from every conference. Like, they don't want to see conference opponents for a third time. Um, and it's something about the familiarity they want, they want to face new opponents. So it's interesting. Um, now Westford Academy, they're 16 and one, no one, you know, they were kind of on nobody's radar in the beginning of the year. Um, what do you know about them? Supposedly they have a very deep pitching staff. Mm -hmm. They have five guys that are dudes, you know, so everyone's been, they've been kind of the talk lately, um, you know, and then you start following them. Like you said, they're not on the radar, and then you start following them, and you're like, wow, they don't let up runs. Right. It's a shutout or a one, one, one you know, so they're going to be a factor. Anytime you have five arms, the way the tournament's set up with the days of rest, they could be a really tough out. Central Catholic's a little bit kind of in that mold, too. They have really good pitching. They haven't been scoring as many runs, but um, as some of these other, you know, top-seeded teams but they kind of met our lineup as a good tournament team. Yeah, we just played them last Friday. I have a physical team. Like, our kids are big. Mm -hmm. um, we got a lot of big, strong kids. And usually when we show up at the yard, we're bigger and it shows. But, like, Central, they're big. They're physical. They're athletic. Um, they're, they're, they're very good. And they do have arms. We saw a couple good ones last Friday night. Um, they, they're going to be a tough team to beat as well. And I, I gather they're young. Yeah. You know, they had seven underclassmen in the lineup. So wow. they're, they're, they're going to be around for a while. Yeah. And I know Austin Prep, not a Division One team. You won't see them in the tournament, but um, you face them during the year. And they, they ended up finishing undefeated, um, and they'll have a chance to kind of avenge a, a tournament loss from last season. What did, what did you like about them that you saw when you played them head-to-head? We played them last year. We okay. didn't play them this year. And they have – their third baseman was the only one that wasn't coming back. He was off to Richmond. But they seemed like they had more than capable other guys to fill in. 
So you get those eight guys back with the whole staff. Um, they had a ton of talent. We had a heck of a game. It was 4-2. Um, we had like a grand slam that was robbed. of A kid jumped up at the fence and picked it off as it was going over. Wow. Um, we had another ball right off the top of the yellow line um, off of Blanco, their ace. And, and Ernie Little made an incredible backhanded diving play to end the game with runners on scoring position. So we had a heck of a game with them last year. They're really talented. They're well coached. They play hard. Um, yeah, they're going to be scary in, in their bracket. Yeah, and you said uh, you're going to warm up for the tournament with a game against Milton, who's a D2 favorite, so you've seen them all. The Base Path Podcast will be back after these messages. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office and don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to baseballjournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs college commits prep and high school division one two and three colleges showcases rankings and much more get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to baseballjournal.com just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. So I, I was saying earlier, you spent 14 years as, as an assistant. Um, was there ever a moment uh, that you thought about leaving BC High to become a head coach somewhere else? I'm sure you, you could have had offers or um, could have applied to other positions. Never. No? No, I, I'm a BC High grad. I love it there. It's the only place I want to be. So, no, I, I never had in, in any thoughts of leaving or moving to someplace else. Yeah. And what was your playing experience? that You were, you were on a conference championship team and – what um, you know, qualities or coaching style did you take from Coach Walsh? That was Coach Walsh's early years. Yeah. So he, he would come out to practice with his spikes on, and he was still playing in the Boston Park League then, and he would throw live BP to us, and he would take kids out with slides at second base when he was up at bat. And he was just a few years older than us, and he was still in very good playing shape. Um, so it was a lot of fun coming to practice with them every day. He was highly competitive, and that rubbed off on us. And I, I think my senior year, we went 18-2. and two. We had a you know, really talented team. Uh, unfortunately, we, didn't, we were out early in the tournament. We had a 10-3 lead, and the games back then were nine innings. We had a 10-3 lead after seven, and we coughed it up. Oof. And Frank Niles, from, he was the head coach at Weymouth. It was Weymouth South who knocked us out. 
uh, every day to this day when I see Frank Niles, he still reminds me about it. <laughs> but we, we know I pass stories like that along to our kids. Um, you know, after practice the other day, we sat in the dugout, and Tom Conley's and my assistant coach, he was on the 07 team that won the state championship at BC High, and he's a, he was a Gatorade player of the year, and he, he was the man on that team. And Tommy's been great, and we just talked about to the kids, what's your legacy going to be? You know, mine was a great regular season, a Catholic Conference championship, and a very disappointing tournament, you know. And then Tommy's was fulfilled. You know, they didn't win the league, but they won the sectional and they won the state. You know, and now we've got 13 seniors on the team and it's like, okay, you get to write your chapter here. What's it going to be? Yeah, it's amazing how you hang on to those memories for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's uh that's something. Now, you had a kind of an interesting career because you spent, I think it was 20 plus years uh, kind of in the financial sector before coming back to coaching. When did you start to get a sense coaching uh, high school baseball was something you wanted to do? And um, what made you want come back to it after a long career? I always wanted to teach and coach. I, I always say I was in my other business to get out of it. It was, it was lucrative uh, financial services. I was an institutional equity trader and salesperson and it's it the pay was terrific and I kind of put a number out there that like I'm going to work till I get to this number and then at that point we're going to make a career change and my wife and I agreed on it and she said if you can get to that number you know we'll we'll, we'll be fine so we put our head down and charged and worked really hard for it took 22 years to get to that number but when I got there it was time to get out and the only place I wanted to go was BC High and Norm originally hired me to be his assistant freshman coach. And we were outside in a fire drill one day, and the JV coach had just put his resignation in that morning because he, he coached basketball as well, and he was having a family, and he kind of had to – couldn't coach both sports. And so Norm said, hey, I got a promotion for you. You're going to be the JV coach. So I haven't even coached the freshman yet. And he goes, I know. You'll be fine. So – I always wanted to do it. I, I have three daughters. Uh, I always coach them in youth, you know, you name it, softball, basketball, soccer. So I always had the coaching bug. And I actually learned so much from coaching my daughters and dealing with kids and parents that it's it really helped me when I got to BC High. It was not new. Yeah. That's amazing that you would be, you'd get to that, you know, financial landmark and then to walk away from it, once you get there, uh, not knowing, you know, how, how am I going to do as a coach? Were there moments where you second guess that decision? Never. No. It was only the other way around. I wish I got in, into, you know, I wish I came 10 years or I was 44 when I made the switch. I, I always say, I wish I would, you know, I tell the kids, well, I was 30, I could dunk a basketball and I, I still could run. And they're like, yeah, right, coach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish I did it earlier. So they, they could have like seen that, that side of me. Um, but you know, no regrets. I'm I'm very privileged and very lucky to have been able to get there when I did. And it sounds like you you made a, a decision where you're also you know very high level of coaching. Um, you were the ABCA National Assistant of the Year in 2018. How did that award come about, and uh, what what came with it? Coach Walsh nominated me for it. So again, thanks, Coach Walsh, for looking out for me. And we had Mike Vassell at the time who was projected to be a first-round top-ten pick. So that got a lot of notoriety. And I was working with the pitchers at school, so I tended to probably get more credit for Mike 
than was deserved because Mike was just one of those once in a lifetime talents and he just happened to come along when I was on the watch. So that got noticed and the application went in. It got a, it got voted on. I was lucky enough to get the award. I got to go to, I believe it was in Nashville uh, to accept it. And it was in front of 7,000 coaches Um you can't even see the audience. There's so many lights and you go out on stage for it. And I think the coolest thing about that was the way they lined it up was the assistant coaches went first. So I was the bottom of the barrel in terms of the assistant coaches because it went D1 college, D2, D3, and then junior college. And then I was D3 high school in the <laughs> national uh, realm. And then they went to the college coaches. So uh Oregon State had won the national championship that year. So when we were in the, the green room waiting to go on, I was the last guy in the high school line, and I was abutting the first college coach, who was Pat Casey, the head coach at Oregon State. And we had like a 90-minute wait to go on, and just talking baseball with him for 90 minutes, was, was that, that was awesome. That oh, was the cool. highlight of the day. I still use like things he taught me in those ninety minutes. You know, I, I think I picked his brain pretty dry that day. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a that's a great experience. Um, now uh, you hear a lot of coaches when they make that jump from uh, assistant to a varsity head coach, they say the most difficult part is parents. You know, dealing with uh, parents' expectations and uh, especially with the travel ball now and the pay to play stuff. There, they say it can be challenging. How has that experience been like for you? I think you're right. Yeah. I just think I haven't been doing this long enough to, you know, winning hides a lot of issues. Yeah. You know, so you go 15 and five, you don't lose two games in a row the entire year. Even if someone has a beef, they really can't beef because you're winning and you're getting it done. Um, So I think this year I might have dodged a few bullets. Um, but it's out there. You hear about it from all your peers. When I was the JV coach, you know, there wasn't such an emphasis on winning. It was about player development. That's what Norm always stressed, like, hey, if the kid's on the bubble, take them. So I would have these JV teams with, like, 28 guys, and we would show up, and they'd be like, you brought two teams. I'm like, no, this is our JV team. And like, how are you going to do it? And I go, they'll get in. I've I've mapped out a matrix that they're all going to get in, and, over the course of the three games in the week, the kids would all seem to play just about the same amount of innings. And, you know, we hit on a few kids that, like, they grew two or three inches, and they, they got in the weight room, and they got better, and they were bubble kids as 10th graders, and they were JV as a junior, and then they contributed as a senior. So I n- never had the parent issues as a JV coach. They're really, you know, I was everyone's favorite coach because everyone got in the game and everyone played. It's a little bit different this year when you're making up the lineup card and maybe only nine or ten guys are playing, but there's 24 on the roster. And, you know, they sacrifice a lot and they work really hard. And you want to get them in, but it's one to nothing and you just you just can't do it. Yeah. Um, so it, I, know, I know the issues are out there and I know I'm going to have to deal with them. I, I, I think, you know, we just had such a good year this year that I got a pass. Yeah. Uh, well, it is good to stress the development at the JV level, too, because like you said, you might find some diamonds in the rough that you didn't know about. Um, speaking of the parents, uh, what was the influence like in your house growing up? Like, what Were your parents really into baseball, or did, you, did your dad play or anything like that? 
No. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, my parents are right off the boat from Ireland. Oh, okay. So they came here in 1961. I was born in 62. Um, they knew nothing about the game of baseball. They basically would just come to all my games. You know, you, you rode your bike to the field or, you know, a few times you did get a ride. They would. My dad never missed a game, but he didn't know enough to criticize or give advice. He just would watch, and he loved the game of baseball. I, I was playing in the park league till my mid-20s, and he would still come to the games. And by then he was very astute, and he had picked up a lot of the nuances of the game. But, no, he, he was very hands-off. He wasn't the kind of dad that dragged you down the field to hit balls to you because he, he just didn't know how to do that. He, he grew up with a hurling stick in his hand. I remember, like, he did teach me how to catch pop-ups because he'd hit the ball with his hurling stick and people would drive by the park and they'd be like what the heck is going on there's a kid out there with the glove and a guy with the hurling stick and he'd, he'd hit me pop-ups when I was a kid but no um uh, my mother is a nurse and they my dad was a butcher at stop and shop and they were just blue collar people that just got off the boat and just worked and raised four kids and got us all through college and we love them that's great and now you've had two two successful careers that they're, I'm sure they're proud of. Um, when you first started with BC High, when you came back um, after you were in the financial uh, field, um, the fir- you I guess BC High won back to back state titles. Your yeah. first two here, you must have thought it was going to be easy at, at oh, that point. <laughs> what were those years like? I I looked at Norm. You know, we 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 were having burgers after the second championship, and I said. Hey, what's so hard about this? This is pretty. We got this thing figured out, and you know it was in jest because there there is so much beyond the talent and the work that goes in it. You got to have the right weather. You got to have the right rotations. Maybe you avoid someone's ace in the tournament because it was the old format then. Um, it was one and done. So we got a little spoiled the first two years, and then the third year was back to reality. We finished nine and eleven. Didn't make the tournament. Um, that was the year I got to go out to the College World Series because I, I couldn't walk around town and deal with it. And I'm like, I got to get out of town. I just got to get out of town and let this cool down. Like, this is embarrassing. You know, we go back to back, and then the third year we can't get in. Um, but, yeah, the first two, we the first team not having coached before, like when the JV season was over, I got to come up to the varsity and kind of work with the pitching staff. And I, I just thought the kids were pretty good. Because I had nothing to compare them against. I'm like, yeah, this this kid's all right. You know, I think he'll throw strikes. He'll get guys out for you. And then now I look back on it, 15 years later, I'm like, that was a great staff. Yeah. Like, I would love to have the staff like that every year. And I, I was pretty hard on those guys because I, I, I needed – I thought I had to develop them more. Uh, and then this, they all graduated. It was like five seniors. We had two kids back, Billy Kylie and Tyler Horan, which if you want any two guys back in the world, you want Billy and Tyler to lead – and then the JV guys that came up, they all developed, and that was a great year, the second year. Um, like three kids that had pitched on the JV the year before were like Catholic Conference All-Stars. Hmm. Um, so that was very rewarding from my end. But just to totally, like I kind of knew more what to expect each year. Like yeah, these guys are really good. Like, like this year's group I know is a good staff for us. Um, it's, it's deeper than we've had in the past. But you don't know that. Ignorance is bliss at yeah. the beginning. Now, you, like you said, you've got some D1 prospects. Uh, I know Nico Brini is going to UConn. you got yeah. some other guys that are uh, committed. 
What is it like, you know, when you're at BC High, you've got to have a recruiting pipeline. Guys want to go play in college. Have you been able to establish some of those relationships or did you already have them just as uh, from your previous, you know, experience as an assistant? I, you know, the recruiting game for college is earlier and earlier. So like Nico played for me on JV as a freshman. And then over that summer, he got the offer from UConn before he had even played a varsity game. Same thing with Mike Vassell. He, he played, I mean, he was on the varsity as a freshman, but he got the offer between ninth and 10th grade over that summer. So I, a lot of the college coaches would actually come to me and, and kind of pick my brain and get my thoughts on, on kids that they were looking at. So I, I, I had a decent network of college coaches before I got named the head coach. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So, so you didn't have to start from scratch. No. That is nice. Um, well, a couple of other just kind of general questions. The Super 8, you know, obviously we're not going to do that this year. They, they tried it for a year or two there. What, what are your feelings on that? Do you think they should have a Super 8 championship? I love it. I, I, I love that tournament. I love the format. It was, it was highly competitive. You know, if you did run up against a Sebastian Keen in the first round, you, you still could live. You know, and, and you, you still had a chance to, to compete and win more games and, 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 and right the ship. Um, whereas under the present format, if you run up against a Sebastian Keene or a Mike Vassell, it's like, see you later. Thanks for a great season, but this is your reward. You, you, get, you get someone shoved on you. So I, I, I'm a big fan of the format. I, I wish, you know, I know it's under advisement and they're looking at it and it's going to be a couple years before it's on the table again, but I, I, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping they bring it back. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you about uh, that we've heard from you know people covering baseball at the high school level, coaches, players. There's been more trash talk this year between you know coming from the dugouts or coming from even parents. Um, have you seen that, or, or how do you feel about that? It hasn't been bad no. with us. No, um, I I don't think. It's been it's been better this year than last year, I think. Sometimes last year it got a little out of hand, um, where the umps had to kind of step in and warn parents, spectators, the benches. This year there's been less of it. Uh, I, I haven't seen any parents get warned, any spectators get warned, and minimal with the, either bench. So I, I actually think it's gotten a little bit better this year versus last year. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time to come in. Um, I, I, it's been, been a long time coming. I, I think I initially tried to have you in as a season preview, and we ended up pushing it back. But here we go, MIA tournament preview. So thanks so much for joining us in studio. Dan, I really appreciate your time, and thanks for having me. Thanks to Steve Healy for joining us in studio. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, Steve Safran. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.